Episode 45 of the Pilot the Pilot podcast takes off now. What's going on, Aviation? My name is Noah. I am a flight locator with Gamma Aviation, uh, the U.S. side of a British aircraft management company. Private pilot living in Southern Connecticut. This is my story. Today's episode is brought to you by Cadence Aviation. Cadence Aviation makes headsets that are affordable and work amazing. I have been testing out the PNR headset for the last week, and I would highly recommend it. You can catch it on sale right now on their website, cadenceaviation.com, for $149. Go and check it out. That's cadenceaviation.com. What is going on, AV Nation, and welcome back to the Pilot the Pilot Podcast. My name is Justin, and I am your host. This is episode number 45, and we are talking with Noah Goldstein, also known as the CT Fly Guy. Aviation, you do not want to miss this episode, as some of the things Noah and I talk about are how flight simulators are set up to be harder to fly than the actual plane. We talk about the mental block that stalls and spins put on Noah in his training. We talk about the struggles Noah had in his training and how he actually had to leave his original flight school to go to another one and kind of reassess how he was going after this training and how he needed to study more and just mature more to enable to become the pilot he is today. We talk about his very first discovery flight and how awesome that was. And we get in a little bit about what the aviation community is like, the current state of the aviation community, and how we can do a better job at attracting new people that may not even know aviation is a possibility. Aviation, I hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as I did talking with Noah. Noah has been a lot of help with me and the podcast, so it is fun to get him on this show and just to tell his story. If you like today's episode, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash pilot. You can check us out on iTunes and leave us a review. We have, I think last time I checked was 220 reviews maybe. We're trying to get to 300 by the end of the year. Don't know if that is possible. Might have to do a giveaway to boost that up a little bit. But guys, I appreciate reading those reviews. I read every single one and I've taken some good comments from there and I have just applied them to the episode and we have learned and we have created some better content for you guys as that is the goal, create the best content possible. Also, check us out on Instagram at Pilot the Pilot. You can email me at pilotthepilothq at gmail.com. And if you'd like a sticker, check us out on Instagram. We have stickers for sale. You can also become a $5 tier member on Patreon for stickers there as well. So check out the stickers. Make sure you get one because they are running out fast. Aviation, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Without further ado, here is Noah Goldstein. What is going on, Noah? Welcome to the Pilot the Pilot podcast. Thanks for coming on. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Really, really excited. Yeah, I'm glad. It's um, We've been talking a lot on Instagram, so it's cool to get you on. Yeah, seriously. You were probably like one of the OGs. You like reached out to me. I remember you messaging me like right when I first started, so no mad kidding. respect. Yeah, <laughs> when I thought you used to live in Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't inside know if I jokes. that far south. <laughs> yeah, inside jokes that no one else knows about. <laughs> Exactly. But hey, man, let's uh, let's go and get started. What? Um, why aviation? Like, what was the original reason for you to start flying or get into aviation? So I'm glad I actually got the facts straight uh, a little while ago. I was talking to my dad about this. Um, a neighbor of mine many years ago gave you know got a copy of flight Microsoft Flight Sim 98. Okay. Um, and you know he played a little bit, got bored with it, and then he gave it to me and. That's kind of what started it, and then I upgraded to Flight Sim 2002, and something there just sort of clicked. Um, you can ask my parents. It wasn't about you know trying to take off and land or anything like that. It was 
going places. Uh, one of the flights that I remember doing was trying to take a 182 RG that I didn't know how to fly, configure, set, you know, prop RPM, manifold pressure, anything like that. Go from Meigs, rest easy, to <laughs> Boston. And I never saved the progress, but it was just really fun to just fly and try and follow the GPS and things like that. Um, and it was kind of an ongoing fascination of just you know, airplanes, a little bit of flight simulator. I remember doing, you know, looking up the Boeing 7E7 <laughs> back when that, when that's what, what the 787 was called. And here's this brand new plane and it's going to do all this awesome stuff and it's going to be fuel efficient. It's going to go super far. And then it sort of just died off a little bit until about ooh, junior year of high school when I was having a conversation with a buddy of mine about Coast Guard aviation. And I didn't, I didn't really know how to go about flying or anything like that. And you know, I, I grew up in suburban Boston where, you know, everyone's, you know, doctors and lawyers, but no one really thinks twice about being a pilot, you know, professionally, recreationally. Um, and so we had this conversation. He's like, Oh, you can go to any old airport and learn to fly. And I'm like, and it sort of just, lit a spark and like huh so i <laughs> i immediately jump on my phone start looking through flight schools and i just make this really ill-planned call to my dad like hey i can do flight training i can you know i i can make this work you know figure out how to afford it <laughs> and at the time i was big into music um you know, i've been a guitar player since about about the time that i got into flight simulator um you know i've dabbled in music a little bit haven't really played much as of late but my parents ended up getting me a discovery flight for my 17th birthday present at uh at bedford mm -hmm. uh hanscom airport at oh, yeah. uh, one of the little flight schools uh and i mean i had the stupidest grin on my face the entire time. Heck, you, you can go on my Facebook profile. I shared pictures of, of that first flight, and yeah. it was just insane. Um, you know, we, we we went up to, to to Beverly Airport. The instructor let me. I mean, aside from the rudder, he he let me take you know do the takeoff. And he was. I remember one of the first things that I was told was, you know, if you're going to be a real pilot, you're going to only fly with one hand on the yoke. Yeah. <laughs> And I had no clue what he was talking about. Like, what do you mean? This is really easy to control with two hands. And I get it now. But. That's really funny because I thought the same thing yeah. when I started flying. The first thing I did was put two hands on there. And I was like gripping the yoke so hard. And he's like, yo, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, I'm getting ready to go fly. And he's like, you use one hand. I was like, what do you mean use one hand? <laughs> it's like when I drive a car, I'm supposed to drive 10 and 2. I'm not supposed to do that with uh flying. Exactly. Yeah. And he's like, no, one hand, bro. I was like, all right, <laughs> fine. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, but yeah. the the latitude I fly now, it's actually you got to use two hands when you're taking off because the plane noses up so much. So you got to put, you got to immediately trim down and just like kind of push down with all your force with the on the yoke. No kidding. Yeah, so it's kind of counterintuitive what it is, but once you get it finally trimmed out, then all of a sudden it's a little bit better to fly. It's a really heavy plane, heavy controls when it's down low. Is it all fly by wire? No, it's not. Wow. Yeah. Holy cow. I know that. It's a uh, Stone Ages, but I got the the nice avionics. 
hey man that's all that matters at the end of the yeah. day right <laughs> yeah well uh going back to flight simulator i'm always intrigued yeah. when people say that they used flight simulator and they love flight simulator it's kind of like what started it off for them i like I mean, I'm sure every kid played Flight Simulator at some point, but it just, mm-hmm. it got kind of boring to me because I didn't know what I was supposed to do, you know? I didn't know, like, did you, did you love, what did you use it for? I, you said, like, you like to fly routes and stuff and you flew from Chicago to Boston. It's like, what, um, what, what would you recommend people use Flight Sim for now that maybe have an interest in flying in the future and how, like, did you use it to like get familiarized with concepts or were you just like having fun flying around trying to do 360s and barrel rolls and all that kind of stuff? Oh, I mean, I, I, I was too young to, you know, I, I'm trying to think 2002. I was, you know, I was, I was like eight years old at the time. I hadn't really thought Dang, about, you know, your baby using it for exactly, man. Exactly. <laughs> I was knee high to a grasshopper. As some people will say, <laughs> um, but you know, I, I I think I had to best put this. No, I, I was just sort of messing around with it. Uh, now, you know, I use it a little bit for learning how to how to shoot approaches. You know, I've got just a basic you know joystick, and it's got a simple throttle, but I can control flaps, gear, things like that. And I'm you know I I'm learning how to be a more precise flyer. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I do like about Flight Simulator, but I also hate, is just how sensitive it can be. Yeah, you know, especially in in you know, in those flight school sims, you, you sit down, you got the yoke, the pedals, the throttle mixture, everything like that. And it's just so hard to control. You're chasing the instruments, but I think it, it in a way that's actually really good because it teaches you to slow down, to smooth it out. Uh, one thing I've always been told is slow is smooth and smooth is fast. So if you're able to, to be smooth and control through it, you can, you know, you'll do everything efficiently. Definitely, yeah. Um, I think the old frascas and stuff, those, if you're talking about those at flight schools, those are definitely mm-hmm. very frustrating because it's so touchy. Like, you just barely move the yoke and you're turning to the right, and all of a sudden you're in a 45 degree bank and you're like, whoa, exactly. what just happened? Where exactly. I think that to a point, it could actually be, fr- like, if you don't have much flying, it could be kind of deter you away from it. You're like, man, if I can't fly the sim, then how am I supposed to fly an actual airplane? But what you need yeah. to know is that the sims are meant to, to be harder to fly than the airplane. Because the whole mantra exactly. is, if you can fly the sim, if you can figure that out, then you'll have no problem flying the airplane. And that goes Bingo. the same way all the way up from your training in a 172 to your training for flight safety for your type ride. It's Flying the sim is supposed to be harder. It's always supposed to be harder because they want to see that you can fly the hardest conditions and that when you get in the plane, you're like, wow, this is so much easier than I thought it was going to be. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so um, you made the switch from, or you you started your intro flight what was like? What were your expectations going into the intro flight? I know you said you had some like flight sim experience and stuff like that. Yeah. But what was like? Did you think you you're gonna love it? Did part of you think, hey, like I don't know if this is really what I want to do. I might hate it. Or like, what was your thought process going into it? Uh, I knew it was something I had thought about. I'll, I'll be honest. I had thought about helicopters first. Um, you know, I was watching shows, you know, Coast Guard Alaska and you know, Flying Wild Alaska and things like that. And I thought, you know what? That would be really cool. You know, watching these guys take these old, you know, 185s and 206s and 208s and even the occasional 207, you know, into the backcountry and just doing all this really cool stuff. Um, or, you know, flying helicopter missions and rescuing people. And I thought that was really cool. Uh, so I kind of thought, you know, okay, I'm going to go into this and I'm going to 
see what it's like and maybe try and pursue this as a career. Um, I've always loved aviation. Um, I'm sort of the first person in aviation in my family. Um, so it's always been a really big thing for me. Uh, I'm still the person that, that is glued to the window at 35,000 feet. I don't care. Yeah. You know, I will look out the window and watch everything that's happening. Are you the person that leaves the window open when it's nighttime or when it's like a dark inside and everyone's scolding you and looking at you weird, like close the window. No, no, <laughs> I, 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 I don't want to be on, uh, on passenger shaming. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it, it was something I, I'd, I'd considered. Um, I didn't really know what to expect. And my, uh, at the time, my my favorite plane was the Skyhawk. So they, you know, the the flight school had and still has Skyhawks available to rent. Um, the one that I did my my intro flight with is still in their fleet as well, which is awesome. To which is, I think, it's a testament to the flight school and to their maintenance. Um, but I just I I I knew it's something I wanted to try. I wanted to see if I liked it and. Go from there. Yeah, I um, I like how you say you're the first one in your family to kind of get into aviation because obviously aviation is kind of like a passed down thing. It's like, hey, mm-hmm. my dad was a pilot, my grandpa was a pilot, or a friend was a pilot, or it's like somehow you got into aviation because of someone else. How would you? And and in a way, that's that's good and that's also bad because I feel like we don't necessarily reach out to the people that don't know about aviation. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. like there's so your neighbor might love aviation, but never just thought, oh, I ha- you have to go to military to be a pilot, or you have to have perfect vision to be a pilot. Do you think that it is easy for everyone to be a pilot right now? Like, do you think that there is that kind of disconnect between the aviation community and non-aviation, where it's like we aren't doing a good enough job to get those people that don't even know about aviation involved. What do you think about that? I'm going to have to say yes and no. Um, you know, I think we could do better in marketing, um, but I don't think it's for everyone. You know, they're, they're, I think, and I may catch a bit of flack for this, but I, 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 I think there's, there's a bit of a mindset that has to be, um, innate within someone you know they 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 go in they understand it um there's a certain discipline and that can even come with time that discipline um it did for me for crying out loud uh i'm doing all right i guess (laughs) um but i think we can do more um i'm 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 encouraged by seeing uh companies like vans aircraft uh, working with local high schools uh, Vogue Tech schools to 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 build um, examples of their RV12 um, as a standard LSA, uh, which is which they're then able to offer flight training in. Yeah. Uh, from that standpoint, I think it's great. Um, I am so I'm affiliated with, with a local EAA chapter here in Connecticut, where they do a lot of a very aggressive advertising for. Young Eagles Day. They had a fly-in the other day where, um, comp- you know, uh, a, a local aviation company came in. Uh, they brought their their old Beach 18 and a PC 12. Nice. The Army brought in one of their helicopters, probably from the Sikorsky factory right down the road. Um, oh, that's cool. 
And the high school got to say, look, we built this airplane. And it's not flying just yet, but it's it's getting close. Avionics are in. Why, you know, it's all wired up and you know, they, they they got the wings and everything. They just got to, you know, tweak a couple things, rig everything up and it's going to I mean, it's going to fly, but that's the only way I think we can do it is 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 by being a little bit more I think almost aggressive in how we market aviation. Yeah, um, I agree. There are many cases where that's where we're doing well, but in many more cases we're not. Yeah, I you know it does make sense. I would 100% agree. I think that we do it's like I said, we we do a really good job of maintaining that fire for the aviation community, but I think that mm-hmm. as a whole we do a poor job of attracting new people in. It's kind of like maybe we're too technical with each other or maybe we don't do a good enough job reaching out, but it's encouraging seeing companies like Vans and other companies I'm sure do it as well or local fight schools or EAA chapters just reach out to the community and start when they're young, start when they're kids and give them the idea be like, hey, anyone can be a pilot. Like you just, it's so easy. Like it's not hard aside from figuring out a way to pay for it. It is very oh. easy to go to your local flight school, oh, yeah. go rent a plane and go fly. You can start today. They guarantee oh, yeah. they have openings. So I think that I agree with what you're saying. It's really cool that they do that and start that dream at a young age. Exactly. Exactly. You know, they're, you know, it's good to see organizations like, like the civil air patrol as well, you know, offering orange, uh, orientation flights for their cadets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you, you have a mission pilot that they sit left seat, and you bring a cadet up, they sit right seat, and you let them fly the plane a little bit. Sure, yeah. you do the takeoff and the landing, but the rest is done done by this bright-eyed kid who may or may not have ever thought about being a pilot. Right. For sure. No, that is cool. Let's go back a little bit to, to you yeah. now. Um, you okay. are a private pilot, right? Yep. Are you? What's your goal for your ratings? Do you want to be a commercial pilot? Do you want to fly for the airlines? Like, What's your, your goal that you want out of aviation? Yeah, I I I'd love to be a flight instructor at the end of the day. Like um, a professional like a Chris Palmer angle of attack flight instructor for life or just like just go flight instructor build your time. Oh, flight flight instructor for life. You know, nice. I I I think the field needs more driven passionate people who are willing to raise the next generation of pilots. Um I Coming back from AirVenture um, this year, I, I I had the pleasure of, of sitting down and and talking with someone from the, the the greater Seattle area, and she's a career flight instructor. She tried to go to the airlines, said this isn't for me. I enjoy flight instructing too much. Now she's got you know, students who are with various major carriers out there, um, some corporate, some regional carriers, some, you know, legacies. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's the one issue we're facing. Um, because, because we can get to the shortage now, you know, if we want to talk about the shortage, the, the, the massive elephant in the room is we have all these, these pilots who are, and I get it a hundred percent, you know, they go, they instruct, they build their time, but then they leave they go to a regional, they go to a major, they go to wherever, and they leave this vacuum. And I think that's part of what's causing the shortage. So to see folks like Chris, uh, Dave down in the Carolinas, and, and there are a few others on Instagram as well who I follow. And it's just really awesome to see 
that this is what they're doing. They're they're helping to raise the next generation of aviators. Oh, for sure. It's very commendable because that's a it can be a thankless job, you know? It can be a hard mm-hmm. job. It can be very daunting and very long days, long hours and you're just doing stalls and spins eight hours a day. It's um but it's a very rewarding and it's for certain people because I knew I wasn't meant to be a flight instructor. It's just something I wasn't passionate about. So I did everything yeah. I could to, to, like you said, I didn't want to waste anyone's time. I didn't want to have a student that I wasn't fully invested in and be more worried about me building time rather than helping them out. So I made the choice exactly. to try to, to skip that. So I wasn't, one, I didn't take a flight instructing job away from someone else that was passionate about it and get not, maybe they didn't have the opportunity if I took it. And two, just because I didn't want to waste their time or money. So I think yeah. that it's something that it's possible to build your time without being a flight instructor. And if you really don't want to be a flight instructor, and I'm not just saying just because you think it's going to be boring, but like if you really truly think that you won't make a good flight instructor or you're in it for the wrong reasons and just for building time, then you should look at other ways to build time because we need people that are passionate. We need people that, that love it, that love to teach because you are legitimately raising the next generation of pilots. And I don't exactly. care what people say, you are you usually what you learn in your first like fifty hours is usually the pilot you're gonna turn out to be. So that first instructor or first two instructors you have has such a major impact on your future aviating career, your decision making process and just because you look up to that that flight instructor mm-hmm. or that girl, or that guy, whoever is your instructor they're kind of like your aviation god at that point. So you exactly. worship them, you look up to them, and you see how they do things, see how they carry themselves. And that's just it's just something that needs to be – someone needs to be passionate to be in that space. I mean, I, I, I definitely agree. But in in the same breath, a lot of companies love to see instructors. My, you know, my company, uh, for example, when we hire pilots for one of our programs um, – and we 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 love to see that you're a flight instructor because it means you're you you understand how to fly when you're in a PIC role. Um, you're able to help guide a new SIC who's fresh off o, you know uh, IOE. You're able to help them out, and that could even make you into an instructor pilot, a Czech airman, um, because you understand more. Mm-hmm. Uh, about what it's like to be an instructor, what it's like to 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 be in that in in that learning position. Definitely, no, it's definitely true. Being a flight instructor can help you out further down the road in some aspects, but there's I also I've also seen company check airmen or company instructors were never flight instructors, so it's definitely not impossible to do those jobs right. too without being a flight instructor. Which is kind of weird. You think that the requirement would be that you'd have to be a certified flight instructor to teach people how to fly thirty thousand pound jets, but you don't. <laughs> so here we are. Surprise! <laughs> yeah, yep. surprise. But yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a bit. Yeah, it's just. I I would just I think it's really cool that that's what you want to do because there's not many people out there that hey I want to be a flight instructor like that's my goal and I think that's very yeah. commendable and I think that we need more people like that in aviation and I wish that the FAA did a better job to make that more or not even FAA but like airlines or anything made that more of a glamorous life if that makes sense because you know flight instructors like when they start out don't get paid very well it's better now than it was but. I just think we can do a better job of making people want to do that for longer, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I was talking with my CFI who I finished my, my private pilot with. He's, uh, he's at a regional carrier now, and he's, 
he said, you know, I, I, I really enjoyed flight instructing a lot. The biggest issue for me was that it wasn't a good enough income for me to support my family. Um, and he was a, he is a good instructor as well. I mean, heck, he got me to pass. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that must have been tough. <laughs> uh, we can, yeah, uh, at times it was, I'll admit. It, it was it was tough at times for me. What did you find that was tough about training? Ooh. So the first flight instructor I had wasn't really a good fit for me. And we I got my my first few hours in the Piper Tomahawk. Um, <laughs> which some folks will say is, you know, it's a real person's plane because it's, you know, it's, it's light. It's, you, I mean, you got to be on the ball with that. But we were doing stalls one day and it was just, it was a hot summer day and it was just not fun. Um, and then we, <laughs> out of nowhere, he just pulls a demonstrated emergency descent. And that was just kind of one of those, you know, get me on the ground. I'm done. Yeah. Moments. Um, and stalls definitely really sketched me out for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, for me, and I, I, I don't know why there was just this, super heightened awareness of the potential for spins. Um, and I'll, I'll admit I psyched myself out a little bit um, by watching a f- one or two too many videos on YouTube of airplanes going into spins, uh, which now kind of looks like fun, but... <laughs> in a way. <laughs> in a way, yeah. Um, but it, it, it was a big mental block for me, was, was, was the stalls. And it definitely sort of hindered my progress when I was going through flight training at my school uh, to the point where I had to sit down with the chief flight instructor, my my then flight instructor at, at my school. Uh, this is all during college and say, all right, you need to go up for a quick spin ride, uh, which helped, I'll admit. But it was just it, it, it was this big mental block of. You know, I'm gonna crash. I'm gonna you know, something bad's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. You know, we all we all tell ourselves ridiculous stories, and that was one that I told myself. You're not alone in that because I was terrified of spins and terrified of stalls too. And I think it's just something I got over over time. Maybe it was like when I got mm. to my commercial, but it's just whenever that plane would break in my mind, I just never really knew. What, where it was going to go. Like I, I knew what was going to happen, but for some reason I always, it's like you said, you tell yourself a story. It's like I was ready for the worst every single time. And eventually yeah. it's just with practice, you got used to it and you got over it and stuff like that. But it's definitely something out there that you're not alone in and that a lot of people do kind of, that's a, that's a big block for them and it's a hard thing for them yeah. to get over. But one good thing to do is to just go do spin training, you know, like sit on your hands and be with your flight instructor so you don't touch anything and just see what happens. Just feel the airplane and how stable it is and how it's not mm-hmm. an uncontrollable situation. So I bet that Especially helped a lot. Especially a skyhawk. Yeah. That, that you got to hold it to make it actually spin. You can, you know, you can stall it, put it into the spin, you know, one rotation, you're done. It's 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 sorted itself out. Yeah. Um, I mean, but I'm sure it's not the same with things like the latitude or yeah. the Pilatus. Even don't, but yeah, don't full stall uh, Pilatus. <laughs> I've seen videos of yeah, that. I've do seen not, of that. do not do that. <laughs> it's no, not fun. It. That 
That's got a serious tendency. Holy cow. Yeah, it does. It's uh, a great airplane. There's just one one flaw to it, and it's just don't ever stall it. Okay. I'll, <laughs> I'll remember that when I go for my, <laughs> for my Pilatus ride. Yeah, um, seriously. So, yeah, so you the, – the stalls and stuff, yeah, that's – um. What did you say that this would you say the spin training fully got you over that or do you think you still had some issues with it after that? It helped. Um and it was very, you know, it was, it was a power off entry mm-hmm. is what we did the spin so you know it wasn't you know a power on departure stall situation where and that that that's probably, you know, the, I I think it's it's a more heightened time that that that, that could happen. Um is you know, is, is, is on departure. Mm-hmm. Um, it helped a little bit. Um, I just, I just had to just sort of get over myself to be honest. Yeah. Um, realize that it wasn't a big deal. This is a very, at, at the end of the day, docile airplane to fly. Um, and just go from there. And I'll admit power off stalls, I'm fine with it's 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 those power on departure stalls where you're going you know you know engines at full bore you're pulling back and you got to find that balance of back pressure on the stick right rudder you know whatever you got to do to counter any, any turning tendencies that's always sort of gotten me because I, I i find i'm never looking out the window as i should <laughs> i'm staring at the turn coordinator <laughs> and, yeah. and the directional gyro just to make sure that i'm straight and i'm coordinated yeah which a good pilot should do mm-hmm. <laughs> coordination is key i i'll tell you what i learned that last summer i i learned that that last summer in in tailwheel training oh yeah what happened oh yeah it's 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 a lot of fun, but it really teaches you. I mean, I I think it, it it humbles you a little bit sometimes, especially when you don't get when you get a landing that's just a little bit off, and you know why. It def, it's it's it, it's a very humbling scenario, I think. I bet. Yeah, I've I've never flown a tailwheel myself. It just when the time where it came attractive to me, it just didn't work out in me building time to spend the money to do it. But it's always I been something it. that I've wanted to do, and I've heard from many people that it can be a humbling thing. And it's just I, I've heard it's a, it's just a different technique. Once you figure it out, it's not a big deal. But it can definitely you don't want to take it for granted, or yeah, you have to be on on the on your game pretty much all the time because you can side load a. A try a tricycle gear and everything works out, but if you don't mm-hmm. like coordinate in a tailwheel, it might be a different story. Exactly, exactly. Well, you don't land coordinated in a crosswind, but you yeah. don't land land coordinated in a crosswind on a trike either. Yeah. Um, no, it's the. I mean, it's a lot of the same principles. It just have it's 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 just a different set of laws almost that you're dealing with. You know, you're you're aft of CG. You're in a negative a negatively stable environment when you're on the ground. So you got to be, I mean, when they say fly it until the chocks are in, they mean it. <laughs> they mean it. Yeah. What, uh, what do you fly now? What do you fly for fun? Do you go rent a 172? Do you go rent like a Piper cub? Like what's your, your plane of choice? I'm to renting fly? a warrior right now. Okay. Um, although that's gotten, I'll admit cost prohibitive. Yeah. Um, and I'm joining, uh, there's a local fl- flight, uh, flying club where 
you can buy into shares of an Archer and an older 172. And for, are you are you renting for fun, or are you renting to build time, or both? Or? I'm renting to 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 build up towards towards my instrument okay. writing right now. Nice. Um, I'm trying to figure out where I want to go. You know, I want to do my commercial long cross country, so I may go up to somewhere like Eastport, Maine, uh, which is if you look on a sectional, it's the it it's it's all the way up there. It's right <laughs> next to the Canadian border on the ocean. Yeah. It's pretty much uh, Canada, what you're saying. More or less, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, there's an island just southeast of it called Grand Manan. That's Canada. Hmm. Um, I may go down to Winchester, Virginia, and 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 make that an IFR flight with my old flight instructor. Um, we'll see. But there's 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 a few things I got to sort out first. Yeah. How many hours do you get now? Oh, good. Uh, one twenty something. What is? Would you say? I remember when I had that many hours. I was always looking towards the next thing. Do you think you are like truly enjoying where you're at and flying, or are you kind of like, man, I just want to fly this. I just, I really wish I had my instrument. I really wish I had my commercial so I could do this, this, and this. I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm happy where I'm at, but I know there's, there's more to strive for. Um, I know that there's more that I can do. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to the next bit of training, the next learning experience I can have. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's, you know, riding shotgun and being a safety pilot and learning a bit more about various instrument, instrument ATC procedures, or it's just going out for fun. And especially this time of year, going out and I'll be honest, doing a little, doing a little bit of leaf peeping. So you, I haven't really talked to anyone that has less that isn't professional pilot. I would say mm. with the time, what kind of tools are you using to learn? Are you using a lot of YouTube? YouTube is very helpful for me, just like watching M0A or other things. Or did you? I know M0A and Chris Palmer. They also sell their own flight lessons. Do you purchase those at all? YouTube or just use your local flight instructor? I've mostly been using my local flight instructor. Um, I'm I'm starting to crack open various uh, instrument training books right now. Um, I'm I'm studying plates. I'm studying both, you know, uh, the FAA issue plates and my company's Jeppesen. Mm-hmm. So I'm studying both of them. Um, I I haven't really done a whole lot of work on YouTube. I feel like sometimes my my searches get a little too specific, and I don't find what you want. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I feel like um, on YouTube, you just got to go down the rabbit hole. You just be like, oh, how to get over my fear of stalls. And it's like, oh, well, here's one about tailwheel planes. So here's one about a PC-12 stall. And then eventually you're like, oh, here's one about how to enter holds. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And uh, I, that is something I, I'm looking forward to only because I'm a visual learner. I'm a doer to learn. So I know for me to learn how to how to how to enter holds is, 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 is going to be a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'll be, it'll be interesting. I think. Yeah. It's, um, holds are definitely something that, that, <laughs> that hold people up in their training. It's, uh, you don't say, yeah, you don't say it's just, it's definitely something that can be a barrier for them continuing an instrument training. 
And mm-hmm. but once you get past that, it's kind of like everything makes sense, and the whole IFR type of flying and the whole game makes sense because it is a game essentially. It's like you got to figure out where you fit in the ATC, what they want to happen right now, and you got to figure out why you're holding and where you're holding for what reasons. And once you can kind of get your spatial awareness and you can kind of like see yourself in the system and why it's working and how it's working and why you entered the hold this way, then it all just makes sense. And it just like clicks and it's like, it will change your training and you will just a hundred percent. will just go on from there with the, the, the confidence and then the knowledge to continue everything. Look, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Yeah. It's a, it's definitely like a moment that happens and it's like an aha moment. Like all of a sudden you're just like, Oh my gosh, I get it. <laughs> So, awesome. Yeah, it, it's definitely something that happens, and it, it's not difficult. It's just different than anything. You know, it's just they teach mm-hmm. you one way to look at it on paper, and then it's different to look at it in the airplane. So it can be kind of it's just weird at first, but you'll you'll definitely get it and just keep at it, whatever you do, because it's not too hard. All right, I'll I'll take your word for it. I know I can uh, reach out to, to a few. Uh, podcast alum and ask about holds oh for well. sure yeah for sure <laughs> the mzra videos actually helped me out a lot for holds i actually watched him then okay. the i actually never had to do a hold until i did my atp check ride and no my kidding. atp multi-engine check ride and he's like all right we're gonna i want you to enter the hold of this vor and i was like thank goodness i watched mzra yesterday because i was like what if he makes me do a hold <laughs> No kidding. Because so the planes we fly now. No, I never yeah. did a hold in anything. I mean, I did like a procedure turn, but I never had to do an actual hold. Not even on your IFR check ride? Nope. Wow. I know. I don't know what Some happened. Call that sheer dumb luck, I guess. Sheer dumb luck. I guess I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I did. Maybe I just totally blocked it out of my mind because it was so long ago. Because I'm an, an old fart in aviation. But I digress. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. <laughs> So you work for Gamma Aviation. What are you working there just so you can fund your flying? Are you working there because you have an interest in maybe working on the op side of aviation for a while? What's kind of the draw for someone with your time and with your goals to work there? So I I decided a few years ago after I was dropped from my university flight training program because I because I initially went to be you know to to go through the professional pilot route mm-hmm. um and i messed up three too many times um but I, I i decided flying wasn't for me and i wanted to figure out where i was and yeah everyone at my school go, goes to delta or cape air or american or jet blue mm-hmm. and you can ask my parents you can ask anyone that knows me i've never been one to go with the crowd yeah um so i i wanted something a little different um you know i knew about uh gamma a little bit through spending a couple summers working the desk at the fbo at martha's vineyard and (laughs) hey it's a great airport no i laugh because i've been there a lot and just imagine like if i ran into you at the airport so it's just it's just funny keep going sorry oh yeah (laughs) You probably had one of my buddies um, as as the line guy there. That's funny. Uh, helping you out. Um, but you know, I, I I knew I wanted to do something that wasn't the airlines. I didn't know what exactly. Um, and the opportunity came through uh, through through my network. And I said, you know what? This is a 
cool opportunity. This looks like it could be something that's good for building experience. It looks like a company I could stay with for, for a long time. Yeah, I'll apply. Um, and it's, 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 it's been great. It's a, it's a great place, I, I think, and maybe, you know, I'm only saying this after working there for about 10 months now, but <laughs> I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm seeing a lot of potential for upward movement. Um, and it's, you know, at the end of the day, I'm working with, with a bunch of fellow pilots, so we can always rattle things off each other and quiz each other and help each other out. And I'm not, and I'm working my way up towards dispatching. You know, I'm not there quite yet, mm-hmm. but you know, a lot of the the mission planners, the ops supervisors, folks like that will you know, quiz me. It's it's hey, we're dealing with this. What do you suggest? Like for example, there was a ground stop at at Austin uh, the other day, and I was like, all right, you know, we had one of our Citation tens go uh, trying to go there, and it turned into okay, well. There's a high priority of extension. Where else can we go? Pull out a sectional. We know what our minimum, what our company minimums for the 10 are. Look through, find airports that meet it that aren't too far away. And you, you turn to a, to a dispatcher and say, Hey, can you run some performance numbers for, and you give these airports or, Hey, Seattle's socked in right now. Let's look at alternates. And we learn, you know, and, and so we talk about, Alternate minimums for 135. What are our off specs? Do we have any other special dispensations? So there's a lot of learning going on. No, there definitely is. And you're not, in my mind, dispatch just picks a random airport. It's like, yeah, let's tell them to go there and then they can figure out what to do in the air. <laughs> so it's good to know that you guys are like bouncing ideas off each other and it's not just some grumpy guy being like, no, he's going to go here. He's going to land there. All that Sometimes kind of stuff. Sometimes it, it turns into that with, with places like Santa Monica. Even even with the King R three fifty, you know, on 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 one thirty five specs, you got to be able to you have to be able to make what's called sixty percent numbers, mm-hmm. where you have to be able to land within sixty percent of all available runway. Uh, Santa Monica, since they shortened down by fifteen hundred feet, has become an incredibly conditional airport, even for the King Air. Yeah, which you know our our company has about oh. 32, 3300 foot minimum length, but that's like a, you know, wind calm standard day type, type airport. So it, it's super conditional now and there's a small slope and that works either for or against us. Yeah. Um, and ATC won't let us eat the tailwind cause that just messes up everyone else's <laughs> up in and out of there. And so we'll, we'll, we'll usually end up going into LAX, Van Nuys, Hawthorne, you know, one of the periphery other Los Angeles airports. I feel like I live at Van Nuys the last couple of days. Or the last tour okay. I was at Van Nuys. The last two tours. In the last 16 days, I feel like I've been at Van Nuys more than half the time. <laughs> I mean, it looks like it's better flying out there anyway. You're, you know, you're, you're in the mountains. You're doing yeah. some cool stuff. Oh, yeah. It's like the Teterboro of the West Coast. And I'd much rather be there <laughs> than be in Teterboro. Teterboro is one of the worst places in the world. <laughs> oh, I have seen... Teterboro go from great to downhill so fast 
you couldn't even blink quick enough. I don't think that anyone has ever used the words Teterboro and great in the same context. So <laughs> you might oh, be a first. Oh. Well, hold on. <laughs> Cause I was talking, I, I, so I was going back and forth with, with, with someone, uh, uh, with, uh, with Michael uh, Maniero last night, and he's like, he had posted on his like Instagram story, like, "Hey, if you're in and out of Teterboro in five minutes, did you really go to Teterboro?" That's true. <laughs> the answer's no. The yeah. answer's no. You did not go to Teterboro. No way, because it's not possible. Not lucky. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, not possible. Well, hey, you mentioned some stuff about how the, your flight school didn't work out. Do you want to go into yeah. kind of detail about what happened there? Sure. So, I never really uh, up, you know, through throughout high school. I ne- I didn't really take school seriously. Um, you know, I I I was gonna go study IT. Um, you know, it was it was something I knew how to do. It was easy. Um, I ended up actually taking a gap year, uh, which was one of the two best decisions of my life. Was taking a gap year because I ended up realizing at, at the end of the day that yeah. I need to go into aviation, but when I got to school, you know, I, I said, "Oh, you know, look at me, big kid on the street. You know, eight hours of flight time under my belt in the past three years. Look at me, aren't I so cool?" <laughs> We've Which, all been there, exactly. And and I'm kicking myself for that now, but I uh, so I I, you know, I was doing really well. My first semester had a had a really good flight instructor. We had a lot of fun. Um, winter break comes, month off. Didn't really do a lot of book book work. Okay, you know, ha- hadn't soloed yet. You know, getting up to 15, 20 hours or so, um, which is around the time that I ended up going for that spin ride as well. Um, was in stage stage one because I. I, I was going through a 141 program at this time, and I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't doing a whole lot of studying. I wasn't taking it seriously, and then the summer came, um, and I spent the first, and I spent that summer on Martha's Vineyard working the desk at the FBO. Uh, and if you'll let me side sidetrack for just a moment, um, the way I got that job was actually through my fraternity. Uh, I am now probably the second person you've had on this podcast who is part of the alpha eta row uh professional aviation fraternity oh snap yep I'm, gonna, um, I'm, gonna, I'm talking to greatness right now <laughs> <laughs> easy there um <laughs> i you know i went to school and you know, i'm never going to be in a fraternity you know you see how, how they're all depicted on movies like you know animal house and <laughs> you, know, you know just you know parties and 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 just you know absolute craziness and i said that's not for me yeah and then and we went to this all all hands meeting for the aviation department and these people got up and said hey we're an aviation fraternity and i perked up and go on and that is probably the best professional decision i ever made uh because i'm here at my job now because of the fraternity that's awesome um yeah so i'm fortunate enough to have gotten to very good, very eye-opening jobs through it. Um, if anyone wants to ask me about it, they're more than welcome to message me. Uh, happy to talk about it. But continuing. Um, 
So went to Martha's Vineyard, didn't really work, you know, did like no book work at all, and then came back, a brand new instructor, and you know, I wasn't feeling great, you know, you know, a little bit of sinus issues happens in the fall, fine, whatever. You know, we were simulating cross countries and, you know, he had me do it just to show I knew how to do a, a navlog, had me just do a, you know, quick one to, to a, to a small airport nearby. And I absolutely flubbed it up. Um, you know, I was using speculative climb rates and, you know, hey, you know, because that's what I'd seen at a cruise climb airspeed and I had been taught better to, than to do that, you know. I had been taught to, you know, climb at VY, and this is your your time to climb, and all of that. And I just was stupid about it. Um, and it happened a couple more times, and finally I sat down with the same chief flight instructor, and he said, "All right, this isn't working. You're not where you need to be. Take t- take some time off. Get your book knowledge up to where you want to be, and and where we want you to be, and come back." Um, so took that time off. It was a solid few months and ended up being that entire semester in winter break. And I worked with a couple of classmates who were also tutors. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of who is now at a, uh, a regional airline. Um, great guy, just, just a good person to know. Um, but I, I mean, I, I hit the books hard because I realized how big a mistake I had made. You know, I had this great opportunity. I, I knew some of the material, not all of it, but we can never know all the material. Um, and I'll be honest, I squandered it. Uh, so I ended up really getting my knowledge up to where I was. And during winter break that year, I sat down with myself and said, is this really what I want to do? Um, my school thankfully offers a management program as well. So I said, you know what? I'm going to do flight training on my own time at my own pace. I'll figure out how to, how to afford it, how to take care of that. That's fine. But I need to not pursue it professionally for, for the time being. And at the time I, I, I told myself, I'm not going to rule it out. I'm not going to rule out being an airline pilot, I'm not going to rule out being a, a corporate pilot, anything like that. I'm just going to do this at the pace I need to, because that's just what's best for me. Um, so I ended up connecting with an old flight instructor at an airport 20 minutes away from school, did about 15 hours with him and his archer, tried to get ready for the check ride, went up for a quick checkout with the guy who would end up being my flight instructor through to the end, and it took another... Mm, year and change to to get me uh to my private pilot do you think that you would have had those same issues if you just would have done and started out with a 61 school do you think that if you would have chose a 61 school over part 141 you might have not had that happen if that makes sense because 141 schools are so structured and they're 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 great for a certain type of person but a lot of times 61 schools where it's at i mean like the environment's just a little bit calmer and more chill and you kind of get to set your own pace. Do you think that if you would have started 61, you might not have run into those issues? Well, I started part 61 when I was a junior and 
in high school um, with those few hours. And to be honest, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I, I work very well with structure. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's who I've always been. Um, but I'd like to think that it was an issue of my maturity or lack thereof, to be completely honest. Um, I'd like to think that it was, you know, I, I, I think for, for whatever reason, I, I, I told myself that three months of not opening a book or not looking at anything would do me no wrong, would do me no harm. Uh, I don't know why. <laughs> I really don't know why, uh, especially because I had been told time and again that I need to be buried in books, um, which I know a lot of folks can attest to, that you really need to be up on your knowledge. You need to be studying, making sure that you're staying current with everything. And I, for, in my infinite, you know, early, 20, early 20s, you know, late teen wisdom said, I'll be fine. <laughs> We've all been there. You're not, you're, mm-hmm. once again, it's, you're not alone in this. I did better. I didn't take it too serious when I was in college either because I still in the back of my mind was like, hey, I'm, I'm going to go pro. I'm going to go play for the Panthers, like that kind of thing. So I was like, I'm going to fly on the side, have that as a backup. But like, I just didn't put the time in in the schoolwork and it showed. You're going to be like what Jimmy Graham is now. I'm going to be Cam Newton, even better. Oh, okay. Well, well. <laughs> yeah. No, that was that was my goal. Flies. Yeah. Well, I was gonna be the Cam Newton that flies, but my goal was. I mean, I wanted to be a pilot, but I just like I didn't put the time in. I was immature. I I had times where I probably could have flown more, and it probably held me back a little bit in my career, where I probably could have gotten. I could be a a step or two further, or I could have gotten to where I am now, maybe a year earlier, if I would have done more. So I'm kind of kicking myself for it. But at the same time, it's it's our journey. It, it builds you into the person and the pilot you're going to become. So don't be too hard on yourself. And this goes for everyone. Don't be too hard on yourself on the decisions you make to get to where you are because it's all working out. It's 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 a it's a movie and you're still in the early stages of it. So you're still trying to figure out what your story is going to be. So I mean, exactly. Don't don't be hard on yourself. It's going to mold you into the person and the pilot or whatever you choose to be. It's going to mold you into the the, the perfect aspect of that so don't worry about exactly. it too much and i know you probably are kicking yourself a little bit for it but it all worked out you're a pilot you're a private pilot you're working on your instrument you're working in aviation it's like you're still young nothing yeah nothing too bad has happened so don't worry yeah. about yeah i mean it's it, it's it's a great feeling um to know that i that that it's an adversity i i overcame um do i kick myself a little bit for it sure did it all ultimately teach me where i don't want to be and how I'd like to, to do my aviation career instead, definitely. Um, so I definitely am seeing the positives in, in, in what it turned out to be. For sure. And like I said, you're not alone. It's happened to a lot of people and me included. So I think people listening to this will be able to take that away and be like, Hey, I'm not alone. Like I, I, yeah. or they can take it from you and be like, Hey, he regretted not working hard enough. Maybe I should work harder. So I think it's, it's very good that you told that. And I think that people are going to get a lot from that. Definitely. Yeah, man. Well, let's go ahead and move into the rapid fire section. If you are oh, ready geez. for this, yeah, man. It's gonna ask one of my favorite questions that I think you and me might disagree on. But if you don't mind, we'll go ahead and get started. Let's do it. All right. First question is Piper, Cessna, 
or Diamond and those kind of the small aircraft world? What's your favorite? It depends on the mission. Okay. What would, you're going to just go cruise around, you had to pick one plane to fly just for fun, what would it be? I'm going to have to go Cessna just so I can look out the window and see stuff. There you go. Sure, I'll go a little bit slower than a Piper, but I'm enjoying it. What's your favorite airline or what's your favorite corporate plane or airline plane? Ooh. Or you can do favorite airline or favorite corporate. Or. Yeah, so you can pick. And. and. No, do Ooh. and. Do and. <laughs> do and. Yeah. Um, going to have to go with... Uh, ooh, man. You got... Put me on the spot here. Um, the Lockheed L-1011. Okay. That's um, for corporate Falcon 50. You said latitude? Yeah, that's a good one. I would agree. <laughs> Falcon 50. <laughs> All right. What is the ugliest plane you've ever seen? There's an old Aronka. I think it's called the C3. And it's just the weirdest looking thing you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. I haven't seen that before, but it's hard to beat the Piaggio in the ugliest airplane ever. Hey, hey now. (laughs) It looks great once the gear is up. It is a hideous airplane. Don't let a sissy spotter hear but, that. Uh, I, I hope he does hear it. <laughs> no, I mean, I guess it's cool in a way, but yeah, it is just not a good looking plane. We'll move on though. What um, uh, what's your favorite airline livery? Um, I gotta go with old school American bare metal. Okay, I'm a fan of the new American. I like that. I think okay. that's a. I like the tail. I just think that tail is so cool and so bright and just sticks it out it's like boom america definitely if you are going flying today what is one thing you have to have with you all the time my kneeboard okay do you on the kneeboard do you just have paper or do you have an ipad with foreflight garmin pilot what's your uh what's your choice for i mean, those? i use foreflight i use you know, flight plan go but you know i always tell myself at the end of the day Paper charts don't run out of batteries. You can't crack the screen on on paper charts. So you you got a sectional in there with you? You're still opening the sectional? Nice. That's cool. Is that common for people that are still building time or where you are at in aviation? Would you say a lot of people still use paper charts? Um, I was taught to use paper charts. I was taught to rely on them. Um, I think it's, it's, it's something that should be taught. I... I know my uh, the the university that I went to doesn't like iPads for primary students. Yeah, so I would agree with that. I think that mm-hmm. you need to have. I think that you should have like a basic knowledge of the system. See what happens when the iPad or when you forget your iPad of what to do. So I would definitely agree with that. It, it's 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 the same. I think for for you know what is it you know gar- you know flying a G one thousand aircraft. Yeah. Learn to fly steam gauges. Learn to fly, you know, your basic ninety one two hundred five, which I I'll tell you, going from you know you know a full uh, IFR suite to flying a Piper Cub that has your basic gauges and that's it, you really learn how to read those instruments. Oh, for sure. I hundred uh, percent agree. What? Let's see. I got another one. What's your favorite airplane or airport to fly to? 
the Katema Air Park, one Bravo two, uh, is the identifier for, for folks who know it. Uh, you'll understand why for folks who don't, it's on Martha's Vineyard. It's on the South Eastern portion and it's this three runway grass airport. They've got Waco aircraft there, uh, that, that do scenic flights and aerobatic rides. And it's just, it's like stepping back in time. Um, you know, every Sunday during the summer, this, this DC three will come in from right across Cape, uh, you know, the, the sound at the Marston's Mills airport. And it lands on this 3000 foot by 75 grass runway. Oh, dang. Oh yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's a really cool place. If you've got an overnight on Martha's Vineyard, if you're doing a day trip during the summer, definitely do it. Um, took a couple friends there this summer for their first time on Martha's Vineyard and just some of the views on, on, on that approach were just insane. That's awesome. What's your favorite airline to fly on? Ooh, Delta. What's your least favorite airline to fly on? Uh, El Al. Oh, really? That's supposed to be like the really? safest airline in the whole world. <laughs> yeah. Y- yeah. But, oh my God. There's there's something about the Israeli attitude, and I say this because I hold a passport from from there. Yeah. There's a there's just this 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 certain attitude that Israelis have that they just do not want to listen to cabin crew. They do not want to listen to to the pilots. Huh. Um. But at the end of the day, they will get you to Israel the cheapest. Oh, there you go. That's <laughs> Even funny. if it means being stuck on an old seven forty seven in the middle seat next to, you know, an old Jewish couple. So be it. Well, those are all the rapid fire questions I have for you right now. The last question I want to ask before we go is obviously we talked a little bit about the pilot shortage. We talked about what we as an aviation community can do better to get more people here. What would be some advice that you would give someone that's just starting to fly that maybe comes up to you is like, Hey, I really want to be a pilot. What should I do? How should I do it? What would you tell them? Um, I definitely would tell them to take a few flight lessons, go through some of the basic maneuvers, see how they feel about it. Understand that there's going to be a little bit of fear initially. Um, but if they find that that's what they really want to do, if they really enjoy it, I, I, I'd wholeheartedly encourage them to hit the books, find a mentor, find a local EAA chapter, you know, find, find, find the folks who are sitting on lawn chairs outside their hangar, talking shop, and just pick their brains. Um, all the while, find a good ground school, a ground school program. Find what fits best for you. If you want to do things at your own pace, find part 61. If you want something that's very regimented, find something that's part 141. Do what's right for you, but make sure that you're comfortable with it first. I would agree. I think that's good advice, 100%. Noah, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate talking with you, man. It's been fun to, to hear you tell your story and talk some aviation stuff with you. I think that there's a lot of good information in this episode, and I think that I know that you necessarily don't have the most time, but I think that people are going to learn a lot from you and kind of 
learn from what you have gone through and what you have said today and kind of apply it to their aviation career, whether it's to, to go be a professional pilot or to go be your coworker at Gamma or maybe to choose to be a professional flight instructor. Um, hopefully we can have you on again and just have some aviation chat. Uh, good luck today with your work and I appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks for having me, man. This was really awesome. No problem. Anytime. And that is a wrap of episode number 45. Aviation, thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. And as always, if you like it, like I said earlier, leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think on our email, pilotthepilothq at gmail.com. And please, please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash pilotthepilot. I could not create this podcast and I could not devote the time that is needed without those Patreon supporters. So if you love the podcast, please support us there. Doesn't matter what tier, just appreciate any support that you can give. Aviation. As always, happy flying and I'll see you next time.